0: Hi, this is Bernie Marsden, and this is The Blues Podcast. Enjoy.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Blues Podcast. It's me, Big Boy Blow here, and I'm very happy to say I've got an absolute legend with me here on the sofa today. And I don't use that word lightly. I really mean I've got an absolute legend with me. It's the one and only Bernie Marsden how are you i'm good man how good. are you i'm
0: good good to be here good to be here
1: it's very good to see you you're looking great man oh
0: i'm, I'm, I'm still hanging around still hanging around
1: good to hear it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now listen we've got all sorts of things to talk about today and pro- i could probably just sit you there and let you talk for about three hours really, <laughs> no, couldn't don't I? Do that, yeah. you've got so many stories and things but <laughs> yeah. i want to try and get as much as we can in today and i want you to first go right back to the start of your guitar playing days mm. do you remember getting your first guitar
0: I yeah I, funny enough I I was asked this only a couple of weeks ago for the first time and um, wow really <laughs> well yeah because I, everybody assumes that you do it and, and I had to really give it some thought right and I, yeah I don't remember getting it I it, I remember it appearing does that sound a bit mad I I think a bit. I think my folks more or less sorted it for me and it, right. it was in the room because I'd, I'd mentioned it so many times about i would love to have a guitar and i th- i think they sourced one somewhere so i i didn't actually go and get the guitar and then there was like in the it wasn't for a birthday or a christmas present either. right suddenly so it was like oh look there's a guitar how old were you remember? i'd be about 13 Thirteen, fourteen. Right. Yeah. Good age. yeah, I, was, Good I age wasn't star. a, I wasn't yeah. a kid, you know, but I wasn't a t- just into my teens, probably. Yeah. Was
1: there someone in particular that kind of influenced you that you wanted to be kind of thing with the guitar? Right,
0: right. Well, I'd watch The Shadows on TV, ah, yeah. you know, so I was old enough to take that in on a Sunday night at the London Palladium, yeah. and that kind of yeah. thing, and with Cliff, of course. And then I was the right age for the Beatles to become this m- phenomenon. Yeah. And then to look at that and say, oh. Wouldn't it be great to do that, you know? And uh, so I guess that was my real first influences. And then I found through that, uh, I had a people, people around me, especially an, an older member of the family who was well into Muddy Waters and stuff. Right. So by the time right. I was about 15, and I was learning my Jerry and the Pacemakers licks and searchers and stuff, and I could play okay. I know I wasn't very good, but I could play them. And he kind of said to me you know we'll get rid of those records and learn this and he gave me an howling wolf album wow. a sonny
1: boy williamson album that must have blown your mind slightly and uh, right? <laughs> did
0: that did that that literally did uh, turn me around so that was yeah. when i started thinking let's say looking back on it that
1: was when i took it more seriously what do you, what do you think it was about those blues records that kind of captured your imagination I, down it, in buckinghamshire it, maybe? It, <laughs> yeah well that's it yeah, you're dead on
0: uh it must have been the voices right um, you know that especially with the wolf yeah. you know and i and i remember i remember the flipping over smokestack lightning because i got a copy of that from mm. and saved up my pocket money and stuff and this wonderful going down slow was on the other side yeah. and, and there was a guitar player locally to me who knew about him this said, listen to this when he's bending the strings right. and i had no idea what he was talking right. about yeah but this was hubert sumlin of course yeah. and uh, that really didn't, I thought, if I could play some of those things, you know. And from that, somebody said, well, if you like that, you'll like this. And I, I was aware of Eric Clapton with The Yardbirds. Yeah. And then somebody sort of said, oh, no, no, no. He's in John Mayall's Blues Breakers now. And the rest is history. <laughs> As all they know. say. So yeah. I got that one, and that was it, really. So I was soaking all that stuff up. And then within that period of time, by the time I was 16, 17, you had Eric, Jimi e. St. Hendrix, Jeff Beck. Yeah. It wasn't a bad time to be a yeah. beginning guitar
1: player. It's a golden age of guitar. Yeah, you, I isn't? think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: So, I still didn't find out what was the, the first, first guitar. guitar. Yeah, the first <laughs> guitar
0: was a Spanish guitar. And, okay, right, uh, well, nylon it, string. Yeah, kind of uh, no, it had metal. Str- uh, it had regular strings. It wasn't very good, and uh, past the fifth fret. It was almost impossible to, you know, you know. Yeah, you know, I've exactly the same. Yeah. We all have one. And then I learned to, I could play. I think I started to play along with uh, the, the theme from zed Cars or something. All right.
1: now I, I was going to ask you what the first tune. Well, you, it
0: was either zed Cars or um,
1: Dixon or Doc Green or something. Now, nah, like, see, I would have, you know. I would have put out a few songs <laughs> that I thought might be Bernie's first, you know. Yeah. First, but I would have never gone with zed Cars. Z yes. Car- <laughs>
0: I think it was something like uh, it was one of the two, and I think it might have been I think Dixon or Doc Green and there was this da, da 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 and it was like moving your fingers around and moving them. Up. Can you and, still play it now? Uh, well I probably can't. I just
1: but have you not um, ever slid it into a solo sort of uh used, halfway through a what solo. What I solo like did
0: now? used to sneak in a lot was the, the theme from Coronation Street. And once I could play Big that, fan, are you, I w well I was, not anymore. I've lost it. They've lost it for me no, now. Yeah, but yeah. uh my mother uh, heard me playing Coronation Street when I'd be I'd be about 15 and she was most delighted and that was when I grabbed the opportunity to say I need an electric guitar and she said well if you can play that and I said because this is really really hard to play and electric guitars are much easier to play I wasn't making all this up I didn't really know uh, so I, I did go on and on a bit like that and I said I'll save the money I'll get what, do what I can do And then we went to the Selma's the famous Selmers, right? Yeah, and I got Hoffner Colorama Nice. And it was 31 guineas, I think, something like <laughs> that. And uh, what's that real money now? I mean, well, well, very impressive. I think a guinea was a pound and a shilling.
1: Right. I think.
0: Go on. How old am I? Uh, <laughs> but my dad stood as a guarantor because we put the deposit down and it was so much a month. Wow. Yeah. So, my, my blessed my dear my dear dad that, that uh, he was strong enough to say, "Yeah, go on then." And I came away with that, and they gave me a strap and a plectrum and a lead and everything to come with it. And I did buy it in selma's and I can still remember that on the wall there were, uh, you know, three three fives and Les yeah. Pauls and everything going on Stratocasters yeah. because Selmers had everything. Right, they were yeah. the only people who had American guitars in those yeah. days. Yeah, so that was how I started, really. And uh,
1: were you drawn straight to the Hofner? Was it was the
0: Hofner? Was I, I was drawn to it because it was um, not that people say oh because it was like an SG and. I, i don't even think i'd seen an sg at that point but oh, uh, yeah. it was in my price range basically yeah <laughs> i couldn't afford a hofner very thin and oh. i couldn't afford a, a hofner galaxy so the colorama with two pickups and a tremolo arm
1: was like yeah. uh, uh that like was a space deal. age right yeah was,
0: yeah yeah As my mother called it the gear lever yeah <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> i take it you haven't got it anymore
0: no i sold it when i bought my first uh les paul sg and um it was the, it was going to be my backup guitar, and then when I got to the this this story is in in my book, um, and uh, I was going to buy this SG special, and when I got to the shop half an hour later than arranged, they'd sold it. It was Orange Music in Old Compton Street, and uh, I and I had a gig that night with no guitar because I'd sold my Stratocaster, <laughs> and um, they said, uh, well, no, well, we've got another guitar at the back, but it's another twenty five quid, and I didn't have it, so the guy who drove me to London that day. He said, well, I'll buy your Hoffner and I'll give you 15 pounds for it. And I had no choice because I didn't have a guitar right, yeah. you know, to, to play that night. So um, he had that and he'd become a pretty successful builder. And he had that guitar for years hanging on his wall saying, you know, that guitar I used to belong right. to. And Did I'd, you sign it? No, I tried to buy it back from him and he wouldn't sell it. He was, <laughs> really? rich, en- he was rich enough to say, no, no, I don't want, I mean don't me? need your money. Yeah. And i don't think i think he did ultimately sell it during the white snake years i think right yeah. so um so it, uh, never to be seen again but well, i've got where lots of now, pictures eh? of it yeah, yeah. i wonder yeah, well maybe it's not around anymore who knows who i painted knows? It, i had it painted like claptons you know i had it all done with the right. psychedelic oh,
1: yeah because wow. yeah, he had
0: an sg painted like yeah i was about as close yeah. as i could get then
1: <laughs> <laughs> and playing as well <laughs> so out of all the guitars that have come and gone over the years there must be a lot of guitars i'm imagining yeah is there something is there something that you really wish you know oh i really wish i could get that back again one day
0: there's a few there's a few i i i had a firebird five uh in a band called wild turkey oh yeah which was a really good band and that was a fire i sold that because of um financial necessity yeah um it's been documented that i had the keith richard les paul and they everybody likes to say oh well, you made a big you know, you, you're the mug who sold them yeah but i made twice as much money than i paid for on it and i already had the beast yeah so i think i paid 400 quid and the the, the guy i think it was 350 pounds or something i paid for it and the guy paid nearly six and a half for it so it was wow. you know
1: it's a no-brainer uh, at the time uh, ain't yeah, it. yeah. And those
0: were the days when you, if you were touring in america you could buy three guitars and you would bring three guitars back sell right. two yeah. in order to keep one
1: the good old days eh? yeah 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 so <laughs>
0: so even though i have quite a lot of guitars still there are a few. There's a Les Paul Jr. I had, which I should have kept, a um, couple of strats. But, you know, there's nothing really that... Uh, I mean, the one I should regret is is the Keith Richard Les Paul. But, you know, I've still got the beast. So. Uh, Same of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you can't look back and, you know, go, oh, I should have done this. Because yeah. you should have done this. But, you know, if you could have done, you would have done. So there are a few things. I could have should have kept my Pete Townsend high Watt stack which I didn't even realize had his name on the back until I sold it. That's how <laughs> much I took notice of that, but that was when you bought these things for a hundred quid. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, there's not really anything that I can say, you know, could I have that back if I knew where it was? Not really. Yeah.
1: Um, I've got enough to be going on with Yeah. you've got to say still got quite a few. Eh? <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned the beast a couple of times there, mm-hmm. and we should probably talk about that for people who don't know about the beast. Should we just have a quick introduction to the beast?
0: Well, I have a 1959 Gibson Les Paul standard, which I bought in 1974. And during a Cozy Power recording session, he christened it The Beast. And I did a solo and he liked the sound. He just said, oh, that thing screams like a beast. Said, <laughs> so it became The Beast. And, right. Um, that's what its
1: world, It's got. it's more famous than me, really. You I was going to say, did you not say The Cozy? Like, you know, hang on a minute. know if i put it on the stand there it's it's not making a noise now it's it's me making that noise yeah yeah yeah, i know
0: but it's 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 a great guitar and um you know it's become iconic really you know along with a few other ones but uh you know mainly you know i've i retired it in i think 1994 because i was aware of you know its value and stuff and with the best will in the world somebody trips over a cable on stage and bang it's gone and I had uh, a, a wonderful guitar maker called Sid Paul make me a replica and uh all shiny new nothing faded or anything like that and then over the years it, it's kind of crept back in and I started taking it out and that's when Joe Bonamassa and Warren Haynes and a yeah. few other people have got to handle it Joe play as I say now nonchalantly you know Joe plays it more than I do really this <laughs> it is pretty true right yeah, yeah yeah but it's a wonderful instrument and um when I do play it, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I remember this. You know, it's, it's it. yeah. Strangely enough, I go in the studio. I was in the studio this weekend doing stuff, and it's a perfect opportunity to take it in, but 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 I didn't. I took, right. took another guitar. In. So,
1: so what what's what's the guitar you're favouring these days? Then what's the?
0: Well, uh... I've been using the uh, reissue uh, beast, C-
1: the uh, the Gibson,
0: yeah, the CC eight, yeah, number one. Uh, I've been using that, and that's really, really good. But that's going to get quite
1: rare. Yeah, at some yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it will
0: be. <laughs> but they only made three hundred of those. So, yeah. Um, you know, they, they, it's a great guitar, and uh, they did a really good job on it. These custom shop boys these days, you know, they they don't take any prisoners. They, right. Yeah. They really know. Well, you you know, I don't have to tell you, they they really know what they're doing, and they take great pride in what they do, which yeah. is which is great. Um, it's one of those things. I still use a few PRSs I've got. Uh, you know, my, my P.R.S. guitar has done very well. Um, still get asked a lot about it, so yeah. there's always How a your discussions.
1: How do you rate compared to the to the beast? Is it well?
0: If you knock a few hundred grand off, it's, it's damn yeah. good. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, it was based more or less around the you know the neck measurements and stuff. But I, I purposely said to, to the P.R.S. company that I wanted an affordable. Guitar, So the people didn't say, I would love one of your signature guitars, but you know, I just don't have the money or, so I said, well, let's make them in Korea, let's have the Korean one, Yeah, and it's done really well, and it, and it's not because it's a cheap guitar, it's a really well made, affordable guitar, and I like the idea of that because, yeah. you know, it's, people can say, look, I've got one of your guitars, I love it. And I t- I bought it as a as a backup guitar, and now my other guitar is the backup guitar. Yeah, yeah. And I get emails and you know I get messages all the time, and that that's that's really nice. And you know I mean I we've mean, been around long enough to understand what it's like to have that feeling because you know I wanted to be in that magazine, you know, yeah. and to be in the Gibson magazine <laughs> when I was 20 years old or whatever would have been just beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah.
1: So over the years, there's been a lot of bands, right? A lot of bands from from the, from the start you mentioned wild turkey earlier yeah. and uh, what was your first skinny cat skinny it? cat was my yeah. local band yeah and from skinny cat i turned pro with uh, ufo yeah out of all those early bands is there anybody you would you'd love to have another jam with again kind of think oh that band was great i'd love to do that. wild again.
0: turkey was was a great band yeah and unfortunately three of the guys have gone so that can never happen but i wish i you, know, you talked about you know. Reg- personal guitars we really wish you could yeah. get back you know the, the guitars are always you can always find a guitar somewhere it might cost you a lot of money on but you might be lucky and find it. people you can't replace absolutely yeah. and um wild turkey was a really good band and i never got to record anything of note with them because we were a working seven nights a week band but it was the band that i should have joined as my first pro band because right. i was comfortable i was happy i was playing well and beginning to write Whereas with UFO it was a complete opposite. You know, I was a fish well out of water. <laughs> and um, you know, we didn't get along. That's been documented, you know, and I I ended up not turning up at gigs, which was terrible. But I knew Michael Schenker would cover for me because he'd been kind of the scorpions used to open up for UFO. Right, yeah. Believe it or not. And um I just couldn't take it anymore. I didn't want to be 22 years old with a nervous and having a nervous breakdown. You know, I knew it wasn't going to be like the, you know, the cover of a Beatles EP all jumping in the air and everybody happy all the time. But I didn't think within a few weeks or months of uh, being a pro, I'd be dreading the gig. Right. And that's how I felt. And it sounds really dramatic now. And you know, in the book, I I go into great detail about it. But um, looking back now, was it so bad? Probably not, but (laughs) we we were never going to be long-term colleagues. And yeah, I look back now. They UFO, and I have to say this, gave me the springboard to be in Wild Turkey and to be still a professional today. Yeah, because I went from being a big fish locally with skin Cat, you know, sort of big in North Bucks. Yeah, you know, to being (laughs) uh, suddenly being in a big band playing to a lot of people in uh, Northern Europe. Yeah, so in North Bucks to being quite well yeah. known in Northern Europe was a big jump for me and, I, and I'll and i always be thankful for that because um without that experience you know and the fighting and the rows and everything going on and but I got to work with you know Supertramp and all these really great bands and Leo Sayers band and you know and every every night I want, was wanted to be out there watching these bands whether they were on before me or after me yeah and especially in Germany when you got to play with Steam Hammer and all these fantastic sort of iconic 60s names, really, who were headlining. Really, We were the sort of up and coming, jumped up loud, noisy (laughs) rock and roll band, you know, but I I saw a bit of these guys every night and a wonderful band in Germany called Cannes, who are now really recognized as a kind of a, I don't know, German Pink Floyd, dare I say, I don't know but they were really good i'd never seen anything avant-garde like that <laughs> and i was fascinated by them and got castigated by the rest of the ufo guys for watching the support group no really yeah <laughs> it, was a they, no-no, was it? They, it was a no-no <laughs> the headline band doesn't watch the support group well i say well sorry i do oh you know, the rules of rock and roll eh? well yeah. yeah well i didn't like those rules so you know it was like you know i was enjoying myself mm. you know traveling and yeah being in airplanes being on the road all, it was like everything i wanted then i realized i'm not liking this very much yeah but it comes to an end, and you joined a band and wild turkey was one of those bands that was was really good after that was cozy i met cozy yep and the, ba- the band Hammer that was great that was a really good band and um, Babe Ruth after that Babe Ruth Pace Ashton Lord yeah yeah Pace had, Ashton had, Lord to the that was band. quite a
1: short lived Pace Ashton it? Lord
0: was about yeah. a year yeah and that really um, there was a jump between uh, Hammer with uh, with Cozy and Don Airy Clive Shaman on Basz and later Neil Murray and the musicianship level was very very high
1: right
0: because cozy was very demanding yeah great great player but you know come on get on with it you know <laughs> great attitude and then when i went in that fell apart because uh, he had a hit and uh, we thought we were going to make an album and um, a guy called mickey most it was kind of like the simon cowell yeah. his time yeah. he came to see that we were playing in i think it was dunstable at, at the california ballroom and uh, he came to see us and we were to discuss the album we're all looking forward to it and he came in and said uh i'm not producing you guys he said because uh, basically you you know what you're doing and I, I don't work like that in the studio right. i like to tell people what to do yeah so the band fell apart like on the monday after the saturday and then i got the gig with um uh was it babe ruth after that? right yeah and um, from babe ruth who are a good band good working band but there was no cozy powell or don airy in that band yeah so getting back getting then getting the gig with the uh, oh. John Lord and in pace, I went back up another yeah. couple of levels yeah. and decided that was the level I wanted to stay right. at. You know, and that how ended. was it when you know? Do you, do you remember like getting the phone call from those guys or? Um... Well, I, Cozy had set me up for the for an audition and then, and I didn't know obviously there was no mobile phones in those days. I think I'd been in Sweden with Babe Ruth, and um, he rang me up and said, "How did you get on with John Lord?" And I said, "What are we talking about?" He said, "I put your name in the frame for his new band," and I said, "I don't know." So he said, and he was really quite angry. And he said, ring this number now. So this woman answered the phone and she said, oh, well, you do exist. We've been trying to find you for two weeks. Really? And that night I went to uh, Manticore, which was Emerson Lake and Palmer's studio. And I auditioned that night for Pace Ashton Nord And I got the gig that night. Right. And uh, there was really, uh, it, was, well, it, was an, it was an audition, but it was a jam really.
1: Right. But I, didn't I was going to say, how do you walk into a room well, full of guys like that? And, and, I, because... And
0: arrogance i suppose right you know confidence arrogance <laughs> yes is, is there a difference <laughs> i mean i went along because it was deep purple i thought why am i going i don't know anything about deep purple you know i mean i knew as i said it famously now at the audition john said john said to me do you know any deep purple music and i said No, not really john no i didn't know that was exactly what they wanted right because they'd had like you know 55 richie blackwell clones right and i didn't know anything about deep purple because uh, I'd always listened to Peter Green that's all I ever bothered about and I said I only know um, Dance on the Water and John looked at me with that great look in his eye and said I think you mean Smoke on the Water and I said yeah that's the one I said but I only know the riff that everybody plays in guitar shops Yeah. and he cracked up and after that we went and played a couple of other things and we didn't do Smoke on the Water and uh, Tony Ashton came over who was it was just so lovely and he said uh, have they got your number and I said yeah I think so he said good he said, he said, uh, you'll get the gig. The funny thing that happened before was um, there was a pal of mine in um, the holding area. There was about another 10 guitar players who had slotted in for that night. Yeah. So they put me in at eight o'clock or something. And when I walked in with my, and I had the, the bass with me, and uh, I walked in and there was a f- five or six still people waiting. And this fella, Scottish Scottish fella said, uh, oh, he said, uh, "Oh, gentleman, he said, uh, you know this man and they all went no they said oh this is bernie mars and he plays with so and so and he'll be the man getting this gig tonight so you may as well leave <laughs> and half of them did wow they just picked their guitars up and left the room <laughs> and i did get the gig so he was right and uh it was kind of strange because i felt you know but it was like it was, i just kind of laughed it off at the time but when i look back on it now it was a very odd thing to do yeah <laughs> but um Getting the gig with them was great, but then it, it was all singing, all dancing, all through the music magazines and, every, and the radio stuff, new super group, you know, yeah, Deep Purple, because yeah. they were so big. Yeah. I, I didn't know how big they were. I had no idea. I mean, I knew they were a big band. <laughs> was that
1: band. in some ways a good thing, though? I cause think it was, yeah. Of, if, yeah. I'd have
0: been, if I'd have been searching for the gig and desperate for it, then I probably wouldn't have got it. Right. You yeah. know? But I, they wanted somebody who could sing and play, and most importantly, write. Right, and yeah. so when I did the Pace Ashton Lord album, which we went off to Munich and recorded, that's when I first met David Coverdale. He came to see John and in the studio. He lived about fifty miles from Munich. And when the album came out, and by the time the album came out, the band had almost finished. Yeah, we only did five <laughs> gigs. And uh, he said, uh, "I like the way you play. So you're like a." like a session guy and i said well i do want that album yeah so when i did like a session. when i played uh we had the first run through for what turned out to be white snake um i was playing with a bass player and drummer and, and with, with with mick moody and uh of course we were giving it large with the guitars and at the end of this jam with these bass very kind of iffy bass player and drummer there was this applause from the back of the room <laughs> and it was Coverdale. wow and he took me to what he said I had no idea you played like that. I went, really? I said, well, I've been in a couple of bands. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I did, so I just based everything I thought about you on the on the PAL album. And I said, oh, no. I said, that was me being very controlled, really. Right, yeah. you know? Self-controlled, yeah. really. Yeah. So that was the beginning of Whitesnake. So we've jumped rather forward, really.
1: So uh, now you mentioned it, we probably should talk about Whitesnake just a little bit, maybe. Uh, you know it's uh it's quite a big part of your life i guess wasn't it i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. somewhat yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah what do you reckon about those days do you do you remember much about it or yeah i mean that's i mean the, that's a good start because i can't remember half the gigs i've done all the things it's uh
0: you know being on the road is one thing and performing and recording is but they're, they're very different things
1: and yeah uh, absolutely yeah i
0: mean i was with Whitesnake, we were there at that vanguard stage of, you know, MTV and not even MTV, but making videos. Yeah. And no. I remember big arguments with directors, you know, because they say, oh, I want you to do this. And, and then the stock answer was, I'm a guitar player, right, Yeah. you know, and I'm a songwriter, you know, I'm not, I'm not an actor. And of course it was kind of a bit blinkered, but we were all the same. Yeah. And that shows on some of the early Whitesnake videos that we're not <laughs> taking it awfully seriously. But you it was—I mean, it was. hard well, we There wasn't much that me. went
1: before, was there? So well, no, you,
0: not really. You either. Did, and then when you did your TV shows, you know, one of them—I remember—we did the thing in Germany was, and the the show was translated with, and it was called Cooking with Harry.
1: <laughs>
0: and we're t- we're unplugging the first album or something, and it was a, it was a, a the Bake Off, right? But then with this, this English guy, making—I think we was making pancakes or something. And we had to stand around waiting, you know, uh, to play the single, in, you know, from EMI Germany.
1: Yeah. That's kind of so, weird, right? Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah. I mean,
0: that'll be out there somewhere, won't it? You Probably, know, and yeah. There's yeah. other ones. There's one that came up recently. And the audience all have, they're back to us while we're doing, I think we're doing uh, uh, Time is Right for Love or something. and but the audience all has their back to us. And we're all thinking, you can see we're all going, what's the point of being here? Yeah. That's because we're there because EMI have said, go to Germany, You're doing a TV show. You know, I got into terrible trouble after White Snake I had a band called Alaska for, well, all of about 20 minutes. And uh, we did a TV show, a lunchtime thing with Sade. Yeah. With that great record of hers. And she was really cool, really cool. But, you know, oh, you're English? Oh yeah, we flew in yesterday on that. And, and I thought her name was Sandy. <laughs> and I kept calling her Sandy and she was getting more and more annoyed, really, and rightly yeah. so. You know, and, and I'd watched the run through and she was singing live and she had a great voice. And I was going, oh, Sandy, you're really good. And then she kept saying, Shardy, Yes, yes, all right, Sandy. And afterwards somebody said to me, her name is that's
1: i didn't know you know and just stuff, stuff like that so she didn't call you barry or no she didn't give a monkey who i was it didn't matter at all
0: but things like that you remember you know yeah that's not in the book actually
1: yeah i bet yeah i bet you won't forget that ever uh, right uh, yeah, yeah. she won't yeah this, yeah. Uh, yeah. she did all right yeah. yeah who was that guy yeah, who, who was kept that calling guy me yeah. yeah sorry yeah <laughs> sorry. yeah, yeah. yeah here, folks there's the apology the official yeah. apology yeah. all these years later yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um so go back to white snake Mm. And let's talk a little bit about the, about the song. Here I go. Yeah, here I go. Do you remember writing
0: that? I do remember, yeah. I was um, in my the house at the, before the one I live in now. And I had this idea for a song. And I kept knocking it around myself. And then I finally took it to the Clearwell Castle when we were doing Saints and Sinners. And it was the last thing we recorded. I played it uh, to David. And uh, the second verse was the first verse. And... He said, "Oh, we'll go and go away." He would always say, "Oh, I really like that," and then he would go away and do the lyrics. Right, yeah. But he kept some of the lyrics, and I, I had the, you know, the "Here I Go Again." Yeah. And then the chorus. I said we go from the major to the minor, and so it's positive and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. he came out with you know another set of lyrics using some of the bits, and and uh, I think we knew, uh, we knew that we'd recorded something pretty good, and it did well um, originally because that yeah. was what, 82 yeah. was it 82 yeah, yeah. i don't think it, i think it was i don't know it was top 10 It certainly was top 20. right i think it was me john lord ian and neil in the in the in the studio i mean i did the arpeggio there's a harmon guitar harmony so that, yeah. that's definitely i did both those and not at um, the same, time, well, at the same no, time no 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 not that good <laughs> no no i need to do that yeah yeah he did the uh, bad company harmony one yeah he did that in just at the same time wow he could still do it as well wow anyway i digress so we wrote the song and um we knew it was pretty good and they straight away they said that would be a single but by the time the record came out the band had broken up right yeah so i didn't get to play it live with david until i did the uh sweden rock show with about forty thousand people and just before yeah. he went on and said i'll see you up there so you realize this will be the first time that you and i've ever played this song wow and it freaked him out. A bit.
1: That's kind of weird, isn't it? Because yeah. it's such a well-known yeah. song, yeah, it's, it's been it's, it's, it's been in everybody's well, consciousness for so long, kind of. Thing,
0: when they say. re-recorded it, obviously, people, you know, I got all the calls about, you know, I, it was early days of MTV. You know, all the calls I I got at the time, the song of yours, I said, yeah, they've redone it. I said, oh, really? I haven't heard it. But they kept talking about you should see the video, you should <laughs> see this, you should see this woman, you should. See. Nobody was talking about you should hear
1: it. They right? Saying,
0: yeah. And then when I did see it, you know, with Tawny slithering around on the top of a Jaguar with yeah. this great sounding record, <laughs> I went, oh yeah, now I get it. And uh, then it started to go up the American charts. And, how did, how did and you feel when,
1: when the song was re-recorded and, you, and like, you know, you weren't, weren't part of it and it was.
0: Oh, I, I had no issues with it at all. I I mean, I've always been, um, you know, I used to get ridiculed by David for, for listening to people like Toto. <laughs> and you know, say, "What are you listening to that pop shit for?" And I said, "Because it's really good. I think it's great stuff." Yeah, you know, foreigner, anything melodic, you know. Yeah. So yeah. he would he would castigate me sometimes for listening. He would say, uh, "Oh, you you listen to that pop shit again?" You know, and that's right because you know, it, it's I thought he was a howling wolf man. I said, "Well, you know, there's room for everything." Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: And um, he would then go into this other thing and do his own thing over there. But I could listen to that Whitesnake track as, as if it was Journey or Foreigner. Yeah. It was just happened to be the same band name that I was in. Yeah. And I just happened to have been part of writing the song. Yeah. And it went up and up and up yeah. and up and up and continues to yeah. do so to this day. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's been a good one. As a, I think in his own David's words, uh, tis a biggie for sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, that so is, says, yeah.
1: you know, I, yeah. I was reading statistics earlier in the day and. It, I, you know saw the magazine saying it was in their top 100 songs of all time and mm. all that sort of thing uh, having written a song like that as good as that as you know popular and as iconic as that mm. are there other songs that you hear now written by other people that you wish you think oh wow i wish i'd written that one. Oh, anything by steely dan you know? okay I mean, yeah i mean you know musicians <laughs> are always one of the, the yeah.
0: grass is always greener absolutely you know yeah. you know yeah. a paperback writer you know yeah but it's nice to be in a club that you know is not that big when you say that well you know i when it what is when it was top of billboard and cashbox or whatever and you see here i go again marsden coverdale yeah you know whether well, you can say well that is a dream come true yeah to write an american number one yeah you know, and, and you know there's been a number one every week but that still doesn't mean there's that many writers who have, have been able to do that and i we always knew we had a good record but i never expected it to be number one in america you know yeah but it did and it continues to be massive especially in america it's it's really big here and europe but however big you think it is here if you're whether you're in germany or spain or whatever it's 10 times bigger in america right yeah and you know when my kids are on holiday or something and anybody's on holiday they i think once a day i get a text yeah saying it's on the radio now yeah well i know it's on the radio because i you know i know how many plays it gets yeah. a day you
1: know <laughs> when but, you're at, when you're out and about and it comes mm, on like over you know in a shop playing or something do you ever mm. feel like turning around to somebody and go hey i wrote that
0: <laughs> no it's, it's <laughs> quite the opposite in fact you you do if it's on in a shop, and that has happened a few times i i tend to walk out of the shop really yeah 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 it's it i don't know what it is it's almost like seeing a picture of yourself you don't like you know not that i don't like it but it, yeah. you think well you know you and when when the company wants to use it for a big campaign or something and you know we i mean we we have turned down a few things but we don't you know because you're trying to keep the integrity of the song together and for every time you turn something down you get something else that yeah is, is different yeah. again so you know it, I, it's uh it has its own life really yeah and uh, but you know i hopefully i've written some other songs that are
1: well, absolutely, you know, yeah. just yeah. as
0: they might not be as successful but, you know, Walking in the Shadow of the Blues, for me, is one of my favourites. Yeah. I think that's a great rock song, and Fall for Your Loving is a good tune. I was going to
1: ask you, you know? about favourite songs, because I always think it's really hard when you've written a bunch of songs, however popular they are or whatever, mm-hmm. It's almost like picking a favourite child kind of thing. Like you know, Yeah, you it is. I mean, do you have a favourite song in particular that you've written? I think Shadow is one of my favourites, funnily enough. I mean,
0: everybody saying, say, well, surely it's the other one, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, here I go again. When I do it, you know, if I'm doing the with with the book tour or something yeah you know i break it right back down to just me and the acoustic guitar which is how it began yeah and you can see what it means to people you know whether you have 100 or 500 in the audience or whatever and it's their wedding song or it's the song that they had their oh, first yeah. date to or their child or something yeah. so you can't turn around and say oh that piece of da you know oh it took me five minutes to write that it didn't <laughs> but you can't throw it away because it means something to somebody somewhere yeah and you can't be flippant about it which i, I learned that from i think i think it was um, robert palmer i think that said that in a in an article something like that who, yeah. he, he made some comment about oh that piece of so and so you know, you know I, I wrote that in two minutes yeah know, but it means so much to somebody yes yeah. exactly yeah and then he, he it, said yeah. i regret saying that so yeah. i always remember
1: that kind of thing yes yeah, yeah good bit of advice isn't it but yes. I don't know. these yeah. things mean something to somebody <laughs> don't they? So, which, yeah. is great. which is great yeah. which is probably why we, we write them in the first place eh? that's what we try to reach people yeah uh, yeah
0: yeah sometimes you reach a lot of people yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky yeah yeah <laughs> you're very lucky so moving on from white snake then yeah. we t- uh, you spoke about the uh, next 30 years alaska right? a little bit yeah
0: I've, i formed a band called m uh not mgm there was mgm uh, a band called SOS straight after Weising, and looking back that really was uh, from a soul. cry for help was it? cry for help yeah, it, was. Right. it was it really was it wasn't very good I wasn't ready for it I was still by then floundering in my self pity at the end of Weising. right
1: yeah
0: and then I put Alaska together which was alright it was a good band we made a couple of albums um, but my heart wasn't in it and you know that's not fair because you're you know you're trying to appeal to an audience that still want to hear your music and hear what you're doing but if my heart wasn't in it, i couldn't i can't go on stage and play something i'm thinking oh, it's not very good this yeah you know and it was okay we did it for a, yeah, probably a couple of years but i kind of kicked that into touch as well and um, i've gone back and had a listen to some of the songs there's some pretty good songs right yeah which with sound a
1: bit, of, a bit dated A bit of time and space between bit you of time and space now yeah. I, I might be able
0: yeah. to you know i might resurrect a couple of those yeah yeah, yeah. well that'd be
1: interesting yeah. yeah
0: after that um you know i went into other things and you know we did then it, then it got, we got back together with this white snake thing with with company of snakes yeah. and m3 which was fine and m3 was a better band sort of musically sonically than than company of snakes because we did our own stuff with company of snakes but the chair would be on a level of six out of ten and then as soon as you do shadow of the blues the place go nuts right yeah so that's m3 then became just a, a white snake yeah, yeah. you know yeah. with the three yeah. of us you run into legal problems because they would put m3 in letters that big yep and then x white snake yeah you know yeah. so when you're driving along in russia all
1: you see is white, see snake. Is white yeah. snake and then no. of
0: course with the advent of the internet and stuff people would take a photograph of it and it would end up on white snake's agents yeah say, look bernie's going up
1: pretending he's white <laughs> snake it wasn't oh dear and i got yeah.
0: tired of you know not not litigation it wasn't that it never came to that but uh, i think the truth is i got tired of doing it yeah was it time to move on time to uh, move yeah. on yeah do do yeah. you know get my own name on a poster at the, the age of you know, 48 or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, why not? And, what, I, yeah. and it, what really was that? You know, I was tired of kind of putting everything together and being the guy who not only booked the rehearsal to and booked the studios and booked, even booked the airline tickets and stuff. And I thought, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. If I'm going to do this, I'll do it for myself. Yeah. And, and I did a couple of things in uh, the National Theatre, which was completely left field. Right, yeah. That was uh, incredibly uh, interesting. And uh, I know now that actors work much harder than musicians. I can say that because I've been there and done it. (laughs) Right, yeah. uh, Controversial, but uh, I've done both things, you know. And they were were both at the National Theatre in Shakespeare. I just wish I could have gone to a bookmaker and put a bet on in 1999 saying, within the next five years, I'll be on the National Theatre stage in Shakespeare playing the guitar. Yeah. Because I'd have (laughs) probably got odds of 300,000 to one or something. And, uh, you know, truth is stranger than fiction yeah that's exactly what happened so after that i was then um, doing a few bits and pieces not really worrying too much because by then here i go was still doing the business yeah that enabled me to more or less do what i like yeah. and that, that takes us into when i first got involved with the mascot which was through meeting joe bonamassa right yeah and joe was very you know adamant that i should make a record <laughs> and then they said you may i said well if i make a record you're gonna play on it he went yeah sure and we did shine yeah which was has been great for me is, and that's that's when i first played actually yeah, it was, yeah. yeah yeah and that's done that's done pretty well still i think still still selling today i believe
1: no it was, but that was kind of getting back to roots a little bit wasn't yeah, it it
0: was a bit and yeah. i got you know everybody oh, i got to plan it you know david graciously straight uh said he would sing and uh joe come and kept his word he came and played on a track and um, Ian Pace is on it. But I didn't want to do it all with, you know, the old the old pals act, you know, yeah, yeah. but that did it. was critically well received yeah. a lot of people it's liked great it. Old. And yeah. um, it is a good record and I'm still, you know, it's nice when you do gigs now and you play three or four songs from it and the people singing along with that as much yeah, as they yeah. sing along with the other ones, which yeah. is, you know, that's when you know, you've got your core fans, which is great.
1: Absolutely. Uh, speaking a little bit about Joe I saw a quote of his uh, a couple of years ago and I can't quite remember what the details were now but he was saying he was going to retire at some point he would get to like 50 or something and he'd mm. say that's it I'm I'm old enough now I've done everything I need to do and I'm retiring I mean do musicians really do that do you, I can't see you doing that Bernie really he was... he's he, yeah he's got some figure he's got yeah a, I can't it, remember what it was a now a specific yeah. figure then like he's 53 or
0: something yeah. when he gets to 53 uh, there's some date where he started it, and there's some date when he's going to finish it. So right. I think, I think one of them is to do with a gig in London or somewhere, or some gig with like, I think he said there was one gig he did once when no people came.
1: <laughs> We've all had those. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, and he went back there when you know to do it, do it again. And I think he's going to tie up some date like yeah. that when he's fifty three and a half or something, yeah. and that will. He said that will be it. Whether he does or not, let's wait and see. He loves playing too much. Well, yeah. You can't go from always on the road to not playing, can you?
1: What What if you've retired and <laughs> you suddenly you wake up one morning and you've got the best song in the world that anybody's ever written, but you've retired? Yeah. What are you going to
0: do? Come out of retirement. <laughs> he's always asking me stuff about the older. What was it like to see Peter Green? In right. His own, yeah, you know. Well, yeah. it was great. You know, because yeah. he can't do that because he's too too young. So Joe would ask me stuff. You know. So you saw Jimi Hendrix, I say. Yeah. Yeah, I did. and I saw the Cream when I was sixteen. You know, saw Derek and the Dominoes. You know, and and his eyes just go. and It's great because his enthusiasm is. Yeah,
1: but if I mean, for me as well, that is the golden age of of of, of rock, really.
0: Like you know, I think so. I think don't think it'll ever happen again. You know, to be able to, I always say to people that you get the melody maker on a Thursday and we decide who we would go and see over the weekend. Yeah, and it'll be like, well, we'll see Jeff Beck on Friday, Jimi Hendrix Saturday. (laughs) and see clapton on sunday choice eh? yeah, and then you go oh can we go and see peter green on sunday we saw clapton two weeks ago god and it was that kind well, of choice all yeah. for like seven and six that's,
1: anyway Do you know what that's do you know what that is, you know what that is seven <laughs> or six? that's not a lot that's <laughs> no, not a lot yeah not. um let's just quickly talk a little bit about um because yeah saying that's the golden age of rock do you think the way the music scene changing now, rock is kind of like it's had its passage in time and now it's maybe moving on to some other sort of form of popular music now.
0: Do you know, the, my honest answer to that is I don't really know because I, I hear the radio. I listen to uh, the radio quite a bit. I've got two daughters. Uh, one's only 26 and she's forever playing me stuff and so yeah. dad, check this out. She's also checking out the grateful dead and moby grape yeah from my record collection so we you know it works both ways i think the the golden age is you know i think it speaks for itself when you you just you know go you know beck page clapton green you know it can't get any better and yet you go into the uh, the modern section and and you've got other players they, they, who who are not expressing themselves that way, but they'll you know whether whether it's Blur or whether it's Oasis, it's still people expressing yeah their 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 musical talents, and there's a lot I think there's a lot of mileage in that. I mean I saw Oasis a couple of times. I had a great time. Yeah, it was yeah. great, you know. And you know I don't care about attitudes and <laughs> images and stuff. like that. I just yeah. hear the band playing live, you know, and you go, this is really cool, you know. Yeah. And well played stuff well then you go and see the who in 2018 or well in the next few weeks yeah and you know you're gonna have a good time yeah you know because the songs are coming out at you Absolutely, like yeah. it all comes back to songs i think you know i i think if um there's very few people who can turn a song into their own thing with like jeff Bet whether it was let me love you on truth or him playing um over the Rainbow, mm. live, you know, which will just make you cry your eyes yeah, out. Yeah. And if it moves you that much, I think that's still just the most important thing, you know, whether whether he's doing it at the age of, you know, 30, 40, 50, whatever. If I, I, I still got, I, I heard a record on the way, uh, on the radio just driving up today, um, Alita Adams. Right. Um, get Here If You Can. Right, yeah. yeah. Incredibly emotional piece of yeah. music. You know, because then you think about other people who maybe were around and they've gone, and uh, music, if it moves you, that's it
1: that's all you need. it's Johnny
0: it? hooker, isn't it If it's in you, it's got to come out
1: you know? yeah, it's, it's, it makes you tap your foot tap yeah. your fingers it's, yeah. It's,
0: it's, yeah, yeah What, lot of them you know <laughs> if it doesn't make you smile, you really shouldn't be doing it,
1: right? yeah yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, I think we're going to do one more question before we go. Okay. Actually, I'll do one more question and we've got a couple of fan questions coming up as well. Okay. So, but I always like to finish off these podcasts by asking the same question to everybody. And it goes something like this. It's, uh, it's a few years in the future, right? It's the end of the world. It's the last day. And, uh, the big world government has said to you, Bernie, we need you to put on a massive concert for us. and uh, We want you to pick your band, hand pick your band, and play us one great song to go out on. So, who would you have in the band, and what would your great song to go out on be? <laughs> this one always gets everybody. <laughs> the
0: song would be something like uh, I'm Only Sleeping.
1: Right, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something from Revolver or but living or past well people? let's let's say living because it's uh you could maybe have some holograms as it's in the future yeah that's
0: true i don't know i mean i would love to be able the, the, the choice to be able to play with john lord again
1: would be, right yeah
0: that was uh that's one of the great highlights maybe. and then i could add cozy Powell to that but playing with ian pace for seven eight years you know i'm kind of spoiled yeah you, you could know? have quite
1: i mean you could you can have you can double up on drummers and bass players yeah. if you like you can just and have i got to walk like.
0: out at the beacon theater with the ormond brothers wow that wasn't that long ago yeah so you got warren haynes you got joe derek trucks as guitar players you know one more night with rory gallagher who wouldn't pay yeah money for that kind of thing yeah you know, if it's a hologram I, I i think making a band would be I think the end of the world would probably happen before you had the time to call
1: everybody. <laughs> well, really. I think if you had all those guitarists on stage, you wouldn't get through all the <laughs> guitar solos, would you, by, that time <laughs> that they, uh, <laughs> by the time the meet you're a hit After or whatever, guitar solos
0: come bass solo and drum solo. do you know, you'd want to put your, your heroes in, you'd want to put younger people in, yeah. you know, people who bring energy and vitality to what they're doing today, you know. And then you just think back of the first time I saw Eric Clapton play live. Yeah. You know, you know, when he'd had his hair permed I think <laughs> he said if I can look like Jimmy maybe I can play like him I think he said at the time so even he had his heroes yeah, ears, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I don't know maybe I've failed that question but it's a no I think that's great do. actually yeah. I, I, okay. yeah.
1: Good. Yeah, I love that brilliant so we had a, a few quite a few people writing with the questions and all that and we picked out a couple just to uh, you know um, finish off the interview with now Fiona wrote in and yeah. said uh, what animal would you be Ooh. Uh, you can't be a human you're already a human no. so you've got to be something different i'd probably be um a wolf a wolf mm. okay like howling wolf
0: well, it, uh, maybe maybe <laughs> that's in back of my mind yeah uh, kind of a knight person thing but also like appear to be a little less um more stronger than you look with a soft fur around Not quite you, so really. cuddly, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, could, be, could yeah. bite a
1: bit as well. I might be a bit of a wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Got the teeth, eh? Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> yeah sometimes. Right?
1: Uh, yeah, probably a wolf. So we had another question. Uh, someone called Lee wrote in to us, mm-hmm. who's read your book, which is still available, I believe. From all good bookshops. Where's my guitar? <laughs> so, yeah, where's my guitar? Uh, he said in the book, you said you've read many, many blues books, and he wanted to know mm-hmm. what some of them were.
0: Oh, I mean, any biography going. I mean, uh, if it's somebody that I've listened to over the years, uh, there's so many good books out there. There's a really good one called Searching for Robert Johnson. That's from a guy called uh, Elijah Wald. Yeah. That's really, have you read that one? That's a really good one. I think it's on my he, shelf. He kind of debunks the whole Johnson right, yeah. mystery. Yeah. Which by saying he was just a great blues man. It's a very different read. Uh, but, I'll, you know, T. Bone Walker muddy waters i've got a yeah. lot of books on i've got a lot of stuff about mississippi in the 20s and 30s i've really you know I've, I've not got really deeply deeply into it but you know i tried to find and i've been to i go to mississippi fairly often you know i've got some yeah. good friends down there and when you're down there you tend to suck yourself into the you know the well wonder what it was like and then you find yeah. out that it's still like it in, right, in yeah. most places and um i i i i, I trent tend to read uh, like street um, road book where people have been on the road with people all there's a uh, it was a really good jim o'neill did a great book uh, called uh, the blues men and it's just interviews with the guys when they were still around right yeah that they couldn't print the whole thing of at the time because they were limited in space yeah and uh, he kept the tapes or he kept the transcriptions and stuff and there's a couple of books out there so to read about jimmy reed and some of the lesser known guys yeah yeah you know and um they, they're really good freddie there's a particularly good thing on freddie king who's always one of my okay. favorites yeah my and um, yeah. there's some bb king stuff i've read i think every bb king biography go including his own one so, <laughs> yeah i mean that i mean just find out who you i listen to and you've probably found out that's who i've read about
1: yeah i
0: do read a lot though
1: yeah got to something to do
0: ain't you? In between yeah. writing hit songs yeah, eh? Know, yeah, yeah. collecting guitars (laughs)
1: Bernie it's been absolutely amazing to talk to you today I wish we had more time my pleasure uh, we are out of time thank you so much thanks man so if you've enjoyed this why not like and subscribe to the blues podcast right now (laughs) alright